are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday, September 15th, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, Director of Scouting at the DraftNetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and eager to start Bill's Hate Week here on Locked On Dolphins. And uh, we are going to have plenty of programming committed to the Buffalo Bills and what the Dolphins can do to kind of buck the trend of recent years. And Buffalo enters week two of the 2021 season, riding a five-game winning streak in this rivalry of AFC East teams. And everybody knows the stakes, right? We kind of went over it on yesterday's show. I've seen plenty of this chatter across the timeline over the last 24 hours. Everybody kind of realizes Miami's entering into this game Want to know, with the Bills at 0-1, Miami at home with a massive opportunity to give themselves a lot of leverage early in the season, which is the polar opposite of what this team had last year. And if the Dolphins want to be a team who is not just in the playoff race, but is in contention to host playoff games, which means you need to win the AFC East, you can't afford to start the year one and three and concede two games in the division in the first month of the season, which is what they did last year. We all know that. Uh, but this Dolphins team, under the direction of Brian Flores, they certainly like to preach the one game and one day at a time, one rep at a time mentality. Well, the rep is here now. This is the high stakes clash uh, for the Dolphins in the AFC East. They're going to have a lot to prove, uh, but they're going to have a lot to prove without one of their key players on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, The Dolphins announced on Tuesday afternoon that they are placing defensive tackle Raquan Davis on injured reserve. I'll give you a brief second to catch your breath, and then we're going to kind of go through what that means because injured reserve is not what it used to mean. Uh, used to be you're put on IR, you're done for the year, point blank, period, no questions asked. Uh, but with the current status of uh, the league climate and the COVID protocols and expanded rosters and uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the league has kind of amended these rules. And, and what going on IR means these days is you're destined for a minimum three-week stay on injured reserve. So Raquan Davis will miss the next three games for the Miami Dolphins, guaranteed. At any point after that, he is eligible to be activated and can return to the active roster so long as the Dolphins have a corresponding move that prevents them from going over the allotted 53 players. That's the good news. And I have some more silver linings uh, as far as Raquan Davis and his absence when Uh, You look at the schedule for the next three games, and obviously Tampa Bay is four games away, and that's going to be a major test for Miami. Um, This week they have the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen threw 51 times in week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game in which the Steelers led the entire first half and for the first 40 minutes of the football game. This is not the kind of matchup that Miami is going to have their hopes of run defense back broken. Uh, 
by not having Raekwon Davis because the Bills simply do not play that style of football. And maybe they'll come out and surprise us, but I don't think they will because here on uh, this first portion of Bills Hate Week, we're going to get into some of the Bills' tendencies from a personnel perspective from last week and why Miami's offseason is a clear indication that they are committed to directly competing against that. The week after that is the Las Vegas Raiders. And yeah, uh, Las Vegas, they had a, a surprise upset over the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. Uh, Josh Jacobs, obviously, is one of the hallmark players for them on that side of the ball offensively. Uh, but I would also be remiss to not point out uh, that Rodney Hudson, who is, for my money, perhaps the best center in football, is no longer on the Raiders roster like he was last year when the Dolphins played the Raiders. Andre James is now the starting center. And the starting right guard uh, was Denzel Good against Baltimore, and he got hurt, which elevated Jermaine Luminor into the starting lineup next to a rookie at right tackle in Alex Leatherwood. So with all that in mind, the Raiders, they're probably going to try to run the football. They may have some success running the football, but they're not the physically imposing uh, trenches that they were last year that was so difficult for Miami to try to uh, put the brakes on and run defense. The week after that's a tough one because you got the Indianapolis Colts, Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and, and Jonathan Taylor, and hopefully they, they see this run defense stabilizes a little bit. But I think that the absence of Raquan Davis, if it is a three-week injury, and I don't expect we're going to get a lot of clarity on how long he's actually going to be gone, because if you've been following Brian Flores for any extended period of time, you know uh, he's going to keep all that information in-house and relatively close to the vest uh, for competitive advantage purposes. Um, that three-week stretch, uh, I don't think there's many mismatches in the first two of those three games that you really feel like, man, like Miami's going to be at a disadvantage by not having a no, their nose tackle on the field. Now, Raekwon would absolutely be an improvement over the other options, and he would also give other players on the Dolphins' defense in the front seven opportunities to create more impact plays for themselves. So that's the tightrope that the Dolphins have to walk. And if he's gone an extended period beyond that, then that is, you know, that Colts-Bucks one-two punch is where, uh, and he's guaranteed to miss the first of those two no matter what, is where you would feel his presence more felt, in my opinion, than the first two weeks of his stint on IR. So to make of that what you will. That's kind of just how I uh, interpret what the Raquan Davis situation is playing out as in real time uh, based on my impressions of the teams that the Dolphins are scheduled to play. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron and the teams are back on the field. Another football season is upon us. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website 
or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So that's what's going on with Raekwon Davis. Uh, and, and I mentioned just a few moments ago that uh, Raekwon Davis's departure is notable and it hurts, and I, I hate it for Raekwon Davis, but specifically for the Buffalo Bills. I mentioned, you know, we're not really sure how much uh, of a cascading impact we're going to feel here. And the reason why I say that is the Buffalo Bills played 52% of their offensive snaps in week one in 11 personnel. 41 of their offensive snaps came in 11 personnel, one tight end, one wide receiver on the field. Do you know how many snaps? the Buffalo Bills took with two tight ends on the field for the entire game. Kind of the polar inverse opposite of the New England Patriots, right? The Patriots, 49% of their offensive snaps came with two tight ends on the field. 34 offensive snaps were in 12 personnel. The Buffalo Bills are a whole different ballgame. They took one snap on offense in week one with more than one tight end on the field. One snap of 12 personnel. They took 41 snaps in 11, with one running back and one tight end on the field. They took two snaps in 21 personnel, with two backs and one tight end on the field. They took 23 snaps. 29% of their offensive snaps came in 10 personnel, which is one running back, zero tight ends, and four wide receivers. They took 10 snaps and empty with five wide receivers and no running backs on the field. And then they took two snaps in 0-1 personnel, which is four wide receivers, a tight end, and no running back. So consider what the New England Patriots threw at you, which was 27 and 11 personnel. Uh, then they put 34 in 12 personnel. They got a, a handful of reps in 22. They got some reps in, in 21 personnel, which is, you know, I formation, traditional fullback, tight end, uh, running back alignments. The Buffalo Bills are a very, very different brand of football, and we knew that, right? And, and they cut it loose. They throw it all over the field. So if I am the Dolphins, and I'm trying to get my, my best personnel grouping out there to kind of combat that. I don't know how much Raekwon Davis is honestly going to be playing against the Buffalo Bills anyway. In this week, it's more Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins and Emmanuel Agba and Jalen Phillips and, and Van Ginkle and uh, guys with a little bit more persistency with, with push and, and attacking the pocket. The downside, if, you, if you're looking to replicate what the Pittsburgh Steelers did against the Buffalo Bills, the Steelers dropped 7 and 8 in coverage for effectively the entire game. They only blitzed 10 to 15% of the time. But they have T.J. Watt, and they have Cameron Hayward, and they have Melvin Ingram, who is a monster, which if you're going to be upset at Miami for not spending a couple million dollars, reminder that Melvin Ingram signed for $4 million on a one-year deal this offseason. 
that one might hurt because he was a beast for Pittsburgh against the Buffalo Bills. Um, so you're probably going to look to organically rush three or four, try to heat them up, and you're going to try and flood the zones and flood the throwing windows as best as you possibly can. And I saw some some peeks at some things in reviewing the Dolphins and their their personnel groupings on defense and their uh, the All-22 of the game against the Patriots that, that kind of jumped out to me. And one of those was some of their big nickel looks. And, and big nickel is referring to having three safeties on the field at the same time. Or, you know, depending on they, they had some speed at linebacker where they had three safeties on the field simultaneously with Duke Riley and Sam McGuavin. So uh, the, these may be just kind of third and long packages, and, and they might pull some of that to try and get base personnel. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the distribution of uh, players on the field simultaneously, particularly in the safety room. And they had some reps where they had Javon Holland playing in the high post as the, free, the true free safety. And then down inside at 5 to 10 yards, you know, kind of playing up in the face of, of tight ends for New England and, and receivers, you had Eric Rowe, and you had Jason McCourty. So McCourty is listed on the death chart as a starting free safety. Holland is his backup. Uh, and there were some instances in which Miami had both of those guys on the field along with Eric Rowe. And what makes this quote-unquote big nickel or three safety opportunity for Miami very unique, and I think this is where it kind of gets into uh, the Dolphins and how they've tailor-made some of their efforts this offseason to improve on defense into competing and contending with the Buffalo Bills, is typically when you get into three safety sets, uh, you don't have the coverage upside to match personnel against spread sets to the same degree. You know, one of those guys is typically more of a prototypical run enforcer. But let's take the inventory on these three safeties that we're talking about here. Javon Holland, impact playmaker at the University of Oregon, very young. He's obviously getting himself acclimated at the NFL level, but uh, was a monster in camp from a coverage perspective. In 2018, as a true freshman in Oregon, he played in the high post. And then in 2019, uh, his final year there as a sophomore, he played more than 50% of his snaps in the nickel as a coverage defender in the nickel, closer to the line of scrimmage. Okay. Now you have Jason McCourty, former NFL corner Jason McCourty. And then you have Eric Rowe, former NFL corner Eric Rowe and uh, relatively high-level tight end eraser Eric Rowe. So you can, if you're the Dolphins, you can go three safeties on the field and you feel really confident about your ability to play some man-to-man coverage or have guys out there who have ball skills and are, are perhaps used to contending with guys at the line of scrimmage because of how much uh, Eric Rowe and Jason McCourty have played cornerback at the NFL level and can get physical and can f- sniff up run fits. I think this is a really appealing uh, opportunity for Miami to get all these guys on the field. Oh, by the way, with Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and potentially if you want to go into some dime or six DB looks uh, against some of the empty formations that the Bills are capable of rolling out there, uh, Nick Needham as well. That's the kind, it's going to be a very different flavor 
than what we saw out of the Dolphins in week one. And again, this gets into the ideology of the Dolphins. This is what they want. They want to be able to combat you on a week-to-week basis and take away what it is that you do best. And I look at the added players in both the corner room, and we haven't mentioned Justin Coleman and his presence, uh, and the safety room in particular with all the coverage experience and corner experience and man-to-man coverage experience that exists in the Dolphins safety room. And you look at a Buffalo Bills team that plays 52% of their snaps in 11 personnel and 29% of their snaps in 10 personnel. You do, Guys, do the math. That's 80% of their offensive plays against Pittsburgh were one or zero tight ends and three plus wide receivers at the same time. And then you go the empty sets with five wide receivers, that's another 13%. That's 93% of their offense. 94% of their offense is 11, 10, and zero personnel. (laughs) These guys are going to spread and stretch the field vertically and horizontally. And it's going to be the Dolphins' job to sniff out how to shut that down. I think these three safety combinations and their coverage experience can be a big piece of that puzzle. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that you stream your favorite shows on, you watch your sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Streaming. It brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And guys, these things are top of the first round caliber protein bars. This is not like chewing on a piece of leather or the sole of your shoe. This is like eating a candy bar and floating on a cloud. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. So whether you need something as a meal replacement, post-workout, something to grab and go, you name it, Built Bar can be it. And right now you can visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So I thought that the, the central theme that I really wanted to drive home was kind of the expectations on defensively what Miami is going to have to do uh, against the Buffalo Bills and how different that is going to be if you are trying to really bottleneck this passing offense to the same degree in which the Pittsburgh Steelers did. And I, don't, I think that's an unrealistic expectation to hold the Buffalo Bills to that many points. But as you watch this Bills game unfold, what became clear is that this team was not in sync and in rhythm and firing on all cylinders. And the question and the challenge for Miami simply becomes, how do you continue that? 
Because when Josh Allen is humming and he's firing on all cylinders, which he does almost every time he plays the Dolphins, because of course he does, they're incredibly difficult to stop and bottleneck and contain. And I talked a little bit about this with Joe Marino, who's going to be joining us tomorrow on uh, Crossover Thursday with Locked On Bills. Uh, and I love Joe personally, but this week I hate Joe. I'll be completely honest. Uh, we talked a little bit about what happened in the Pittsburgh game, and Joe said, you know, Josh missed a couple shots, and the, the big one that stood out to me was a shot down the field to Emmanuel Sanders that would have been a walk-in touchdown that Josh Allen missed for whatever reason. And Emmanuel Sanders is about the only new piece in that offense. And Josh Allen chased those big throws for the rest of the game. And I think what's really challenging about the proposition of what we're, what Pittsburgh had success with is it does fly in the face of the DNA of what Miami usually does. Miami is usually extremely aggressive with the blitz. And so is Pittsburgh. So that's not to say this can't kind of be a formula that Miami can replicate. But I am curious for a team that has traditionally blitzed to manufacture pressure. I want This is the first big test on how more organic pressure from Emmanuel Agba and Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins and, and Jalen Phillips, how that goes. That's going to go a long way in determining the success of this game because if you have to blitz and heat up Josh Allen, now you're banking on him having an outlier night and having a quote-unquote down night by his new standards based on the style of play in which Josh Allen made everybody accustomed to him playing in 2020. That is a tough way to make a living, I think is probably the best, best way to put it. The last thing that I do want to bring to the table as far as kind of introducing Buffalo is Buffalo defensively and their ability to stop the run is something that I think Miami is going to want to test. Uh, Pittsburgh won this game by a final score of 23-16 to in Week 1. Uh, Pittsburgh scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. But I'll say this, Najee Harris had 16 carries for 45 yards with a long of 18. Chase Claypool had one rush for 25. Ben Roethlisberger ran four times for a grand total of five yards. The Bills as or the Steelers as a team rushed 21 times for 75 yards, an average of 3.6 yards per rush. But when you look at what the Steelers trotted out on their offensive line, for all of the maligned impressions that exist about the Dolphins and their offensive line, and Chris Kaufman, by the way, uh, from Three Yards Per Carry, had an excellent Twitter thread kind of talking about how uh, each coaching staff of the Miami-New England game kind of came into that game banking on Miami's offensive line being a pivot point. Uh, in the game plan and how it was indeed a pivot point and the, the Dolphins uh, found the enough correct ways to bank on their offensive line and lean into their strengths 
uh, to negate some of what New England was doing. Uh, but you look at the Steelers. This Steelers offensive line is very young, and it's very inexperienced. And the talent level at this point in time is, I would describe, questionable at best. Uh, Dan Moore Jr., fourth-round pick in 2021, got the start at right or at left tackle. Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, Trey Turner, notable player, Chukwuma Korfor. Like these, this is the offensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if you look at directionally what they were able to do running the football. Now with Najee Harris, uh, they ran outside to the left once and got four yards. They ran behind the left tackle Dan Moore twice and got negative two yards per attempt, a total of negative four yards. They ran behind the left guard once for two yards. They ran five times behind the center, right up the gut, for nine total yards, 1.8 yards per carry. Four times behind the right guard for 28 yards, seven yards per carry. And then they ran uh, three times off left tackle for six total yards, two yards per carry. The Pittsburgh won this game against Buffalo with absolutely abysmal rushing numbers. And I think Miami is set up better. I know everybody will point to Najee Harris and his existence and how Miami should have drafted him and this, that, and the other thing. And that's fine. And, you know, from a personnel perspective, if you feel like Najee Harris would have been a better fit, I understand that. Uh, I just know the Dolphins, from a positional value perspective, don't agree. And that's why Najee Harris is not a member of the Miami Dolphins. I would definitely say this Dolphins offensive line is better equipped to run the football right now than what the Pittsburgh Steelers are. And if Pittsburgh can win this game with this level of paltry rushing production where only outside to the left and behind right guard garnered more than two yards per carry, Miami's got to put these guys to work up front. Don't run just for the sake of running, right? But I think you can dog these guys a little bit. I think you can get after them up front. Miami has a significant size advantage in this situation, and playing these guys forward, I think, plays into their strengths, just like the Dolphins found enough ways to play to their offensive line's strengths in Week 1 against the Patriots in a 17-16 victory. That's going to do it for this Wednesday episode of Locked on Dolphins. Thank every one of you for carving time out of your day and listening to the show. It's great to chat with you all Make sure you hit subscribe on the podcast feed. No live stream last night, but make sure you head over to the YouTube channel, Locked on Dolphins, hit subscribe, follow along. You get a chance to interact with me uh, throughout the course of the season, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, and we'll talk with you guys again tomorrow for a crossover Thursday episode with Joe Marino of Locked on Bills.